Welcome to the Flourish Podcast. Thank you for joining us for this episode as we learn, grow, and flourish together as a community of women. Hi, this is Penny. Thank you for joining me for the podcast today. I'd like to share from a chapter of my book entitled Love, Leadership, and Influence, The Power of Transforming Relationships. We're sharing from chapter three today. We've been working through the various chapters, and today we were on the chapter called The Power of Forgiveness. Now, forgiveness is a nice word that we use a lot. But when it comes down to it, it can actually be incredibly hard to do. No matter who we are, we're going to have occasions, many of them, to need to forgive. Let's face it, unfortunately, people can be unkind, inconsiderate, impolite, and in some cases, even abusive. I don't want to sugarcoat the difficulty involved in forgiving people. And I'm talking about forgiving people the way Jesus talked about in Matthew 18. If you read that chapter, there's a story that talks about a slave and a king. The king forgave his slave for a very, very large sum of money that he had not repaid. It was actually 15 years worth of wages. When the slave implored the king to be patient with him, the king did more than that. He released him completely from the entire debt. Unfortunately, that man man, went after a fellow slave who owed him a very small amount of money, which was actually one day's worth of wages, and he demanded him to pay him. Well, the man couldn't repay that one day's wages, and so the other slave who had been forgiven so much had him thrown into prison. Well, the king found out. And he sought out this one who had been forgiven so much, and he turned him over, the Bible tells us, to the torturers until he repaid all that he owed. Then, to me, there's a startling statement that ends chapter 18. It says, My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from his heart. Wow, that's a really strong and kind of even terrifying statement. And I was thinking about it, and I was thinking, wow, you know, I've lived my life, we've all lived our lives for many years as Christians, and I'm sure many of us have not forgiven readily at times, but none of us are in jail or even being physically tormented for for our lack of forgiveness. And I was thinking that there's obviously a type of torment that isn't always even recognizable to our day-to-day senses or understanding. Unforgiveness affects us, even when it's buried beneath apathy. I've always uh, been struck by Psalm 32. It talks about unacknowledged sin versus sin that we take responsibility for and turn from. The outcome of the unacknowledged sin is this. Excuse me, it says they wasted away. They were groaning all day long. God's hand was heavy upon them, and their vitality drained away. That sounds like torture to me. It might not be me being beaten in a prison or starved or anything like that, but it's it's not a pleasant way to live. But the outcome of the second choice is that we are forgiven. We're surrounded by songs of deliverance. 
We're given instruction and counsel and care from the Lord. And it ends up by saying we're surrounded by his loving kindness. There's a pretty big contrast. So even when we're not always cognizant of it, there are ramifications happening when we are holding on to bitterness or unforgiveness in our lives. We may just be feeling so drained, so discouraged, so beat up, and we don't even, we're not making the connection of even where it's coming from. In my book, I wrote uh, the following quote, bitterness doesn't have to be full of passion and outbursts of anger. It can be a suppressed and quiet writing off of an individual in order to avoid further pain or rejection. Although the motive may seem in seem innocuous and even necessary. Bitterness will still create a prison and self-perpetuating protection for ourselves that doesn't allow for vulnerability. Unforgiveness impacts us. It impacts our hearts, sometimes our health, our actions, our ability to love others. It has a very strong impact on our life. And in Matthew 18, we see how strongly it was addressed that we would actually have a sense of torture in our lives for not really, really forgiving from our hearts. And I wanted to share a story, which is one of the most miraculous stories I've ever experienced in my life. I also uh, put it in the book that I wrote, but when I was growing up, at the age of 13, I found out that my dad was cheating on my mom with a neighbor up the road. And she was a woman that my mother had reached out to and tried to help. And one day I came home to find my mother just distraught because my dad had left us for this woman. Um, I did not take that very well. I was so upset, so hurt, and ultimately very, very, very angry. And out of our four, the four siblings in my family, I was the one that showed extreme rage, uh, bitterness toward my dad, unwillingness to relate to him, um, the woman that lived very close to us, I would find ways to go near her house and just holler out things to her and about her. I just was full of, full of anger. Well, when I became 17 years old, I gave my life to Christ and things began to change in my heart right away. And I did my very best in my thinking and in my heart to just say, okay, well, I forgive my dad now. I have to forgive. I'm going to forgive my dad. So I thought, I was pretty good with him and didn't have a lot of occasion to see him. But throughout the next years, I saw him a few times, several times. And somehow, some way, in my heart and my mind, I was still had this kind of underlying heartache and pain. And you might even call it torment in regard to my dad. Um, I had dreams about my dad. I would dream that he would... I would knock at his door, like really wanting to come visit him. And finally, he'd let me in and he'd show me around his house. And there were pictures of all my siblings, but none of me. Or I would be sitting with him at a social event and I'd be trying to talk to him and try to get his attention. And he would just completely turn his back on me. And these were kind of reoccurring dreams. So, you know, I'm on into my 20s, even 30s, and I'm realizing "Mm, things aren't necessarily good in my heart with my dad. I, I don't know why, but they're not. And when Keith and I were actually, I think we were about in our early 50s, 
we went away to a retreat just to get some time alone to process through some things. And the um, woman who ran the retreat center had said to me, I think you might have some father issues. I think there might be something in your heart regarding your dad. So I said, all right, I'll look into that. I took a little time, went by myself, and I just said, okay, God, let's, let's consider this. Do I still have issues toward my dad? And when I began to think about the level of rejection I felt and just always feeling unfavored, unwanted, uncared for, uncovered, unloved by my dad, I realized I wasn't at all healed and this was not at all really dealt with in my heart. Yes, I had, honestly, for the last 20, maybe 25 years, I had become very apathetic and I kind of made up my mind that he was insignificant to my life. I had a big family. I had a husband who loved me. I had a wonderful mom. I didn't need my dad. You know, he was superfluous to me. But in that small little room where I was processing, I felt like God said, you need to take this to a deeper level. So I just said, all right, Lord, let's begin. And I started one thing at a time and just bringing it to the Lord. Okay, God, he really hurt me. He really abandoned me. He completely left me alone with with no fatherly love or care or interest in my life whatsoever. It was horrific. It was awful. And it, it was wrong. But I make a choice now by my will to forgive him. And I release him from the guilt of that. And I actually speak a blessing over him. And I process through maybe 10 or more things that surrounded the whole situation with my relationship with my dad. Well, after about 45 minutes, maybe an hour, I left and didn't feel a lot different. Um, It wasn't extremely emotional, but I said, okay, well, I've, I've tried to be obedient. So I went home. Keith and I traveled home a couple days later, and a day or two after I got home, my phone rang one day, and I picked it up, and it was my dad. And I was in complete shock. I was like, uh, he doesn't call me. What on earth is this? And he said, hey there, you know, how are you? And I was like, oh, good. He said, well, I wanted to know if I could come and spend Christmas with the family this year at your house. And I said, well, sure. And so he made the 10-hour trip from North Carolina brought a gift from my family, which he had never done in the, you know, 30-ish years that we had been married. And he spent the day getting to know my kids, hanging out with us, talking to me, being very, very relational. And I, I, again, I was just astounded that, wow, what on earth has happened here? And in the months to come, he began to call me. He began to write letters to my kids, especially my two youngest daughters, telling them how much he, Grandpa loved them and missed them. And I just would say to God, wow, you, you really did something in that little room where I prayed that day. And one day he called and said, I'd like to come and stay for four or five days with you guys. And we happened to have a, a place, a little building next to our home. And I said, well, that would be lovely. He was in fairly bad health. He had had three triple bypass surgeries over the last, you know, 30 years and was not doing great health-wise, but he was willing to drive that 10 hours alone 
to spend time with us. And so he came, and during that time, I just stood astounded at what God did. He wanted to spend every moment with just us, didn't want to visit my siblings, which was surprising to me because he had a much closer and better relationship with them throughout the last many years. Then one day I got to talk to him about his salvation to make sure that he really knew the Lord and that he was okay in that area. We got to pray about that. Um, I asked him to pray a blessing over my life. He said, if you show me how, I will. And he did. And I said, well, I'd like to pray for you. And I just put my hand on his shoulder and I said, Father, I just pray that my dad would not have any guilt or condemnation. And I, I just release him from anything that he's done that could have hurt me or would have hurt me. And I speak blessing over his life. And he just laid his head on my dining room table and just wept. And he headed home that day. He also had, had made a point to tell me that he was sorry for what he had done to my mom and to us. And I just kind of honestly could not even comprehend the fact of what God had done. And one of the things I prayed for in that little room was that I would have favor with my God, with my dad, because I never had. I never felt like I had that. And God made it a point for my dad to single me out in, during that season and come and spend those days with me, making sure that I knew that he loved me, that he was sorry, that I was special to him. And it was a treasure. And very, very sadly, I got word a month later that he had died from complications to his health. And I actually had something to really grieve about at that point because I lost my dad, and it was a whole different dynamic than it had been two, three, four years before that. So God left me with such a touch of grace on my life in regard to my father that I never look at him in a negative light ever since that time. And he did a miraculous work in my life that not only affected my relationship with my dad, but how I saw my Heavenly Father as well. And I share all that to say this. If there's someone in your life that you have unforgiveness toward, or maybe even you're, you've buried that unforgiveness, you're apathetic, you're cold, you're uh, calloused in your heart toward them, they're insignificant, they're superfluous, they don't matter to you anymore. Because of hurt, you've covered that over with hardness of heart. I'd like to ask you to, to revisit that, perhaps. You know, I can't guarantee you the same outcome that God provided in my life. But I can say this. God has a way when we honor Him and we become vulnerable with Him and just open our hearts and really try to forgive, as He instructs us in Matthew 18, from our heart. He has a way of doing miraculous breakthrough type things in our circumstances and in our lives. So I'd like to just encourage you to, to consider that, to maybe ponder, to maybe assess where you're at with your relationships and maybe your father, maybe your mother, maybe your husband or your, your wife or your children or your friends or your pastor and really get alone with God to completely forgive 
to confess it with your mouth, to release, to bless, and to be free in the name of Jesus. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for listening to the Flourish podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. For more information about Flourish, our annual conference, or to join our community of women, visit nrpflourish.com. See you next time.